There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's going on, my woods people? going great here in texas as we have been catching state records and prepping for our gila hunt Woo-hoo! and some of our out-of-state deer hunts but as we've been doing that the thing that is just sneaking into my mind daily a little more every day it's something that uh, you know i may be most excited about because the opportunity to hunt a whole bunch of days and chase the most challenging big game we have the opportunity to chase year in and year out usually and that thing is texas public land whitetails so KC, that's what today is all about. But first, you got a pretty awesome item in the mail yesterday. Oh, hot dog! I did. <laughs> um, so, I was it got, a hot dog? It kind of is like a big fat, like a Chicago hot dog. Dang. Have you ever had a Chicago hot dog? I haven't. Like I've never eaten one in Chicago, but like with the pickle and the pepper and, and all, all that the on stuff. It, on oh, it. it is good. Is it's it? got like a vinegar um, yeah. on it too. Mm, it's Kaylee good. was in Chicago a couple days ago. Really. Yeah. Come on, Kales. Hey, she's missing a big piece of trim off her car. Yeah, it's pretty good American-made <laughs> car there. <laughs> Anyways, my mail day was cool. Um, I got a Climate KSB 20-degree down bag, which uh, is supposed to be one of the baddest little machines out there these days. And I'm jelly. Um, it looks pretty cool. I haven't actually got in it yet because I'm pretty sweaty. Um <laughs> But it looks nice, man. It's already it's, dirty. It's looking it's black, like it's used. So, like, black attracts heat, right? And dirt. And dirt, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tyler rolled around the sand for me. But So, I got this. The climate sent me this. Uh, you got what? You got a mail day, too, right? Yeah. Climate um, sent me a uh, Static V sleeping pad. Nice. Which I'm really excited about because 
I laid on it on my bed yesterday, uh-huh. <laughs> which may not be the best test, but it feels like it's going to hold me off the ground. So That's I'm good. excited. Off about the ground is where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those things are in preparation for another piece of mail that you received yesterday. Oh man, I did. Um, <laughs> I received another my, hot dog. <laughs> another hot dog is <laughs> a flat dog. Yeah, it um, was. It was a New Mexico elk tag. It's real. It's official. Like <laughs> it's straight real. up, the tag reads. Any elk, unit 16B, Gila, like, it's the thing. Like, there's no doubt left in my mind that I'm going on this hunt. Even the 380s, are they considered any elk? Mm-hmm. Are they under that? Yeah. 400s? Yes. Yeah. And it also means I can shoot a cow. So, you, you know. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you want to, like, if we really want to be countercultural, <laughs> <laughs> just go to the Gila and shoot, shoot a, cow. a cow. How mad would some people oh, get? Oh, my gosh. You put in for that, for those that? Are, those are the mothers of the giant bulls. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, can, Take that, you cow. <laughs> QEM, quality elk management. Um, but, uh, yeah, so prep for that. That tag is actually really cool because... Uh, in Colorado, there's this real uh, gray area, um, like, confusing thing with the tag where it's a carcass tag, but then, like, when you separate the antlers and the meat, like, you don't really know where to put the tag and all that. And, I mean, we grew up just putting tags on antlers. It's just kind yeah. of what you do. It makes sense. Tape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's only one tag, and it is just this piece of cellophane stuff or whatever. Um, for New Mexico... They send you your hunting license, a carcass tag, and a antler tag. How about that? And they're all sticky. So you pull, you notch the antler tag, pull it off like Midwestern style, stick mm-hmm. it on the antlers, and then you do the same thing with the carcass tag. Put it through the little tarsal tendon area right That's there. Nice. So it's you nice have, that they yeah. don't expect you to carry a piece of wire or a zip tie or something oh, like I that. Oh, I know, man. Goodness <laughs> gracious. And it's nice that like they're like, hey. Just to avoid any confusion, we're just going to give you two things, and you don't have to worry about transitioning tags from one thing to another or anything, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Well thought yeah. out, New Mexico. Man, way to go, guys. What I liked about that tag is it had that, um, like, that elk on it that was bugling. That, that was, was like, cool. It was and, moving. And you also know? had a German thing <laughs> behind it. <laughs> I put uh, in the little jiffy thing on uh, Instagram, I just typed in elk just to see what would come up. And um, there was one other elk. It's like a red deer. Yeah, and and then this one came up as a red deer, and it said Hoskinjacken and behind it or something. <laughs> I thought it and said Jagermeister. I, I don't know what it said, but it was uh, it was pretty funny. So I, I left it on there. And then my wife looked at it and said, "There's a number on here. Are you sure you you might need to delete that." I'm like, Cassie, it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. This thing is mine. Yeah, ain't nobody gonna go try to jack my tag. This is mine. Yeah, but. Yeah, be gone in twenty four hours anyway. So exactly, yeah. that's a good thing about Insta stories, dude. It's real, it's real, and the excitement is real. I can't imagine. Like, I never knew that I'd be so excited about somebody else's tag, but like, I am. But because I guess I don't know, maybe because it's my tag. I don't know if you you might not have felt this way. So if that's the case, is maybe because it's not my tag. But I've been thinking a lot about deer lately. Mm-hmm. And so I have two a lot, yeah. like, well, especially to, since I put in about almost seven hundred dollars for a deer tag. Goodness the other day. gracious, man! That's like, yeah. yeah anyways, a that's too ridiculous. Much, a little too much, probably. But uh, <laughs> I did it because I've been putting in for five years for this thing. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that really got me thinking too, and and um, so I'm going to have like quite a few tags this year, I think, uh, as opposed to at least in re- relation to other years, and I um, I have to like 
definitely think a lot about how I'm going to manage my season. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a lot of hunting, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a little bit nerve-wracking because um, if, like – I normally am pretty broke during hunting season, and now I'm going to be hunting even more. So it's like, oh, how do I do this without, yeah. you know, making everybody mad in my family? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's definitely something I have to think about going forward. And in that equation is something that, you know, I, I don't know why, but, like, I'm honestly, I may be most excited about hunting Texas public land this year. Just because, and that sounds so weird, but, like, I'm just like... It's one of those things that, like, I feel like that if I don't shoot a decent buck in Iowa or Kansas on Mm -hmm. public or private, whatever, either way, that, like, I feel like if I don't shoot one this year, that that's, like, a pretty big failure. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's been, this will be year three, basically, that I've been hunting Texas pubs and haven't shot one. And and granted, it it is a little bit of a failure feeling, but, Mm -hmm. like, it's also, like... I just kind of, it's an expected kind of thing. It's like I more expect that it's going to be hard enough that it's not going to happen every year than I do that it's going to happen every year, you know? Yeah. Kind of, I, I may not be explaining this well. No, but. yeah, I got you. I mean, it's kind of like uh, you're supposed to win homecoming, right? Yeah. And that's kind of exactly. what it's, it's like. It's like, okay, we ain't won homecoming for three years. Yeah. Uh, you know, and last year, I guess I had a tie. You know, I shot a spike, and people were upset about that. So, <laughs> they were, you know, were they? Um, but I feel like I'm I'm kind of right there with you. Um, all my hunts, I am excited about, but I feel like the the Texas public thing is is just a touch different. So tough, uh, you know. It's, I, I can, it's tough. I can't. I don't want to say it a bunch because everybody thinks their hunting's tough, right? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I've hunted several states in different places, and I can see guys in the media and stuff like that, and I just mm-hmm. know that the, the class of deer is different, the body size, um, the the pressure is different. And so, like, there's just a lot of factors, man, that, that play into the, these deer being very tough to hunt. Yep. I've been uh, to out-of-state um hunting locations a couple times and i will tell you that i have seen double digit buck numbers in some states and texas is not one of them on public (laughs) land i've never seen more than 10 bucks in a full day's hunt Mm -hmm. you know it's just like it's just a different animal and i don't know i I feel like and maybe i uh, have gone so far down this road that uh like i'm not working hard enough to have success because they just kind of go out expecting not to see much mm-hmm. and maybe i need to like have that fire that fuel a little bit more to say yeah. you know what like i don't need to just accept that and just hope that i look into one well i i agree but i think that also expectations can really mess you up yeah for me at least you're a more positive guy than me so like for you, you're just like, ha, 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 I'm just going to go back and I'm going to kill him next time. You know? <laughs> and for me, if I if my expectations are kind of high and mm-hmm. I hunt three days in a row and don't see anything, I'm like, I hate this. What am I doing with my life? I'm wasting my time. <laughs> I should be editing podcasts. And stuff. I need a cheeseburger. <laughs> I need a cheeseburger <laughs> and some cookies. Uh, and so, like, I I just set myself up with yeah. if I don't have the That's right expectations. What, I mean, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Jared Sheffler on the podcast, and that was one of the big things I took away from his podcast mm-hmm. or with his interview is that um, he doesn't use trail cams and doesn't do much preseason scouting because he doesn't want to set those expect- expectations too high. He wants to go into a place and be excited with what he sees and be you know happy with what the mm-hmm. outcome is. And we've kind of discussed that 
theory a little bit. Yeah. As far as like trail camera leaving trail cameras with the lack of trail cameras leaving Mystique to like a mm-hmm. place, you know. Yeah. I mean, what's awesome is that in your mind, even here in Texas, like there could be like a booner on your property if mm-hmm. you don't run trail cameras. But if you do and you run for a whole year and the biggest thing you see is about a hundred and thirty two inch ten point twice, mm-hmm. then you're like and you saw that he gets shot on Facebook, then you're like, there ain't mm, nothing yeah. out there, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. But at the same time, uh, hunting, you can't eat mystique. You sure. know what I mean? And you can't put a tag on mystique. So if you are constantly, like, just waiting on a deer that doesn't exist, then you're wasting a bunch of time. Yeah. You know? It's so it's like you got to weigh out the, the benefit versus reward of doing stuff like For that. For sure, man. So there... This is this podcast. We feel like we've been talking. Obviously, the podcast runs as like a mirror to our lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so what we're excited about, what we're doing, what we're digging, what we're thinking about is usually what this podcast looks like week to week. And we feel like that we may have uh, not done justice to the amount of thinking and excitement that we have towards Texas public lands in the last uh, several weeks because of this tag that you drew. It's a once in a lifetime tag. And then, so we wanted to just kind of bring light into that and let people in on our kind of our plan, the issues that we've seen um, on Texas, like in the last few years, and the reason we haven't been successful, or I haven't, and the reason that you ended up shooting, you know, kind of having to pull the trigger on a spike last minute to get some meat, which yeah. I'm thankful for because I've made several stews and I have, I still have a back strap. I feel as if your, your half of the spike went further than mine. I haven't Mine's eaten gone. very much of it. I, I mean, I've made several stews, but yeah. like, uh, we haven't just hammered it. We've been eating some fish and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I, got I mean, I, uh, I've definitely been, been uh, able to do a little bit of fishing this year and stuff yeah. like that. So that's been, been good, but that's good. Anyway. Um, yeah, so our our season didn't quite go like we had thought it might last mm-hmm. year. And with all the scouting we did, we were like, oh, yeah, we're good. We're going to, you know, kill or whatever. And uh, isn't that such a, like, motif amongst most hunters, though? Like, how many people have the season they dream about? It doesn't happen pretty often. No. This is a pretty relatable thing to most people, I oh, would yeah. think. And it's, I mean, something that happens to me almost every year. Yeah. I mean, our friend, uh, just on a local level, Cody Beaver, that's been on the podcast before. Yeah. Like, the last couple of years, his season hasn't gone like he wanted it to, mm-hmm. you know, due to... And this is not even, like, something that's like, I'm hunting, and, man, he was at 30, and he was behind a bush. This is like, I'm flooded out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't even control that at all. And yeah. So, um, yeah, dude. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely, and we don't want to sound too negative going forward no. here for a second because it's we, positive season it right is. now. We're excited and we think that things are going to happen. So mm-hmm. we're going to lay all the excitement and the plans out for you. But to set that up, what we want to do right here is talk about a few of the issues that we've seen that have been self-imposed and maybe some issues that we see that we think could be changed, uh, maybe on a department level as well. But, uh, we obviously don't have the expertise that biologists and things have. Mm -hmm. So, and also just on, uh, a social level too, like something that as hunters, we all should probably work on and do a better job of as well. For sure, man, for sure. Well, um, you know, the first thing I can think of, should we start blaming ourselves or blaming the department first? Let's blame the department first. Okay, good idea. I'm I'm there. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll blame the department for all of our. There's mishaps. just some like whack rules on on some of these public lands there that is, make it tough, man. There is, man, and I don't, you know, I don't understand it all. And 
a lot of this stuff is just rules that were written at one point in time to avoid certain problems that may or may not be even a problem that is something that we encounter nowadays. Um, it's the the one that always comes to mind for me is like the boundary rule. Yes, like yep. you can't be you got to be what's the distance? Is it fifty, 50 yards, yards? I think it's like really fifty yards from a boundary fence. Like I'm as far as I understand, like when I'm on my private land, I can if it's on my land, it's on my land, right? Like it's right. kind of verbatim. And uh, kind of with the whole keep it public like idea, like if it's public land, it's taxpayer land, then you should be able to utilize all of it, not mm-hmm. you know fourteen thousand acres minus the perimeter boundary by fifty yards squared or whatever you know whatever that amount of land you're losing is right there. Right. And I mean, quite honestly, uh, if you don't have big public parcels. You're going to be hunting a lot of deer that are going on and off of private land often. And those deer actually might even be feeding mostly on private land because that's where food is a lot of times. I mean, I know there's a ton of browse, especially if, you know, it's decent habitat or whatever. But a lot of this that we hunt is marginal habitat. And those deer are going on and off private, public every day. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty problematic. Well. Deer are a creature of edge, right? Yeah. And a fence line is an, an edge, edge. almost yeah. always. You know what I mean? Like, even when a fence has been put in in the middle of the woods, mm-hmm. usually they have to clear a line mm-hmm. of trees. You know what I mean? So it makes an edge of some sorts. And so, like, if you if you can't be... I mean, what's weird is that, like, you can set up 50 yards from the edge, right? And if you have confidence, can't you shoot to the edge mm-hmm. of the fence? Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? I don't know. I mean... Like the only the only thing that I can I, I see is that it eliminates the temptation for those to shoot deer on private from public. Yeah, if you're sitting on the fence line, right? Yeah, but that's what rules are for, right? Mm-hmm. Rules. Yeah, like you, that's what the law is for. Yeah. It's not what like we don't go we don't go. Hey, uh, let me think of a good example here. You might have one, but it's not like hey, the speed limit is seventy, so we're gonna make sure that you can't go but fifty five. Right. Like, put a governor on your car so you can't go over 55. That way you don't break the 70-mile-an-hour yeah, speed limit. exactly. Like, we don't do that. Right? <laughs> it's like a double law, you yeah. know? It's, it's, it's kind of hideous, man. And, and in all honesty, like, how many times, and this, this will probably be a motif that we see throughout these, uh, this, some of these rural issues, but, like, how many times have we been walking uh, down a down a edge of a property and seen, you know, ground blinds and, and tree stands set up within 50 yards of a, of a property oh, line. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like exactly. guys aren't paying attention to it. And I don't think the game wardens care either. Cause they probably think it's no. a stupid law. Hey, but. That's the thing. It's like, where, where do you draw the line of like, you know, what's being enforced and what's not. But then at the same time, uh, like for us, we video record everything we do, uh, or most everything we do, unless it's real bad. We don't see any deer, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and you, you want to do everything by the book because you want to be a good example and you also don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Right? yeah. So uh, sometimes it feels like you're the only one following the rules. I know. And another thing on that is the it seems like no one, I mean, no one follows the, what's it, 72, 72 hours, hours stand rule. Yeah. Like, I can go on a WMA here close to home. And probably go find a stand that I saw 20 years ago that's still in the tree. That's yeah. still being used. Yeah. You know, it's like chained up in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I understand what that rule is for. It's so that people don't claim spots real hard, you know. But at the same time, it's like, man, if I like go in, you know, a half mile or two miles, whatever it might be, 
and find a really good spot, I'm not going to go back in there three days later and pull that stand because it's like, oh, well, here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, like I better make sure I follow the uh, the rules here. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, that's tough. Dude, there's stands everywhere. Yeah. On public where where we've been. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that's that's really following that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're in and out with our stands because we are always moving somewhere else, yeah. you know, and we don't have a ton Either of stands. Stuff. So, but like, I just don't. There's not hardly, I mean, we met guys last year on proper, on some of the public properties that are like, yeah, I've been hunting here all year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and to me, that makes sense. Like, there are other states that we've hunted that on public. They're like, yeah, put your stand in there and take it out. Just make sure it's out at the end of the year, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if some guy is sitting in your stand when you come in that morning, he has the right to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you... How bad that would stink, but yeah, he has the right to it's, it. It stinks, but but... I mean, that's you shouldn't have left it, kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you run that risk, and most guys are willing to to take it. But that's another another rule that's kind of funky to me that makes things kind of difficult. Is there well, anything else you can think of? Uh, well, just to kind of go on with that one a little bit. What's funny is like I know of one place where there's a ladder stand you can see from the road. It's, it was stayed there all season. It's like, okay, Mr. G-Dub, like, I know that yeah. you've driven by this and seen that, so we know that this law isn't getting enforced or yeah. ruled. Or, that's an, okay, so this is kind of more of a life thing, but sometimes I don't quite understand the difference in laws and rules, mm-hmm. and is it the same thing? And I might be just being facetious or stupid or I don't know, but, like, my uh, youth kids are talking about, like, um, it's the law, like you can't film the softball game. And I'm like, is it really a law or is it just a UIL rule? Yeah. And I think they're getting confused on what right. stuff is, you know. And I, this is really broad, but I feel like that's a little bit dangerous as a society when you start, like, having a misconception of what's the law and what's the rule. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But anyways, that, yeah. was, that was way way out there. No, no, it made, no, I totally get it, man. Yeah, I was thinking about that one the other day, actually, because yeah. we were watching a game. But, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, um, another one that I can think of offhand is the, um, the antler restrictions rules mm-hmm. that um, have definitely, like, some flaws. And we've talked about it before, so we won't talk about it much. But basically, if it's got a branched antler... Um, it has to be 13 inches wide or wider. And both have, but if both are branched. Uh, right. Sorry. If it has both branched antlers. Yeah. So if, if it, if it doesn't have at least one unbranched antler, mm-hmm. so one spike side, then it has to be over 13 inches wide, which is such a random thing. And like the guidelines in the booklet talk about like, it's got to be to the, to the ear tips, mm-hmm. but like a five or six year old deer might have 16 inch ears. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like. There's that, and then, you know, if it's a wide two-year-old, he might not have 13-inch ears. Who knows? But mm-hmm. maybe that's what, you know, the biologists consider that they're trying to eliminate as being a two-year-old being shot. I don't know. But the thing is, it's a very hard rule to follow, and we have several deer on camera that we just you just know are, are four-plus years old, you know, four, mm-hmm. five, or six, and they just don't make that that. Like, there was one that you should have shot last year. Uh, Journey got sick, so I didn't get to go with you that morning. And if I'd have been in the tree, you'd have shot it on public last year. And if he had one big spike side, mm-hmm. but if he had one little thing coming off of that, he wouldn't have been legal. Yeah, he was suddenly like not eight legal. inches wide, yeah. you know, or whatever. And that same morning, I saw a three year old that 
I probably would have liked to have shot mm. just because it would have been fun to shoot a deer yeah. on Texas public, but I, he didn't quite make that. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, there's no such thing as without a shadow of a doubt because who really knows? But I look at that deer and say, that's a three-year-old. Yeah. And, I mean, he, I never actually had a shot. I didn't draw on him. But he was really callable because yeah. I grunted him in a second time, you know. So I could have shot that deer if and he would have qualified. Yeah. Yeah. It's And that's another thing is, like, if they're close, most of the time guys are – they want to be ethical and law-abiding. Mm-hmm. They're not going to shoot them. And if they don't really care about the laws, then they're going to yeah. shoot it. And whether – you know, so it's kind of like – it's it's almost like the, the, the gun laws yeah. kind of thing, you know. It's one I mean? of those things where, like – I wish that instead of a law, we were more educated as a hunting society and just strove to shoot better. Strove. strove. I love it. That's it, one of those. Strived. Strived. <laughs> strove. Had striven. Had striven. <laughs> <laughs> we, would, we desired to shoot yes. um, older age class deer until we didn't. Yeah. And if we would self-regulate, we wouldn't have to have regulation. It would just be an education. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm like... I'm all about education over regulation in all aspects of my life. Yeah. So, and that would be like, and that would allow for us to say, you know what? That buck right there, he's got a little weird side over here. It's got a little fork on it. And he's got a big side over here. And he's probably like a mature buck. So I'm going to go ahead and shoot him, even though, you know what? He doesn't really meet what somebody somewhere decided was. Right. I'm just not, and I know our voices, I'm not a big fan of the antler restriction thing. But. That being said, I think back to bringing this whole thing back around to, like, game wardens seeing tree stands from the road and not caring. (laughs) I think the game wardens should be a little more lenient than what I've heard they've been on that rule. And I think that they should look at this and go, oh, that kid's 10. That's Mm -hmm. his first buck. Let's not ride him a citation. Or, um, Or that deer looking at the age... Of his, or just looking at his teeth, mm-hmm. that deer meets what we're striving for yeah. with that rule as far as age restriction, you know, age uh, goes. So I'm going to not give him a citation and say, hey, dude, try not to do that again, yeah. man. But, well, you know, I, I, understand, I understand this deer is old. I don't enough. know if we've talked about this in the podcast, but I know you and I have talked about it and discussed, like, what we thought might be some good amendments for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to see a first buck, any buck tag. Yeah, I think we did talk issued. about it on the podcast. You know, for people like, when you pass your hunter safety course, you get a first buck, any buck, that's good for your lifetime until you kill a buck. Or maybe first five years, whatever, mm-hmm. where you can shoot whatever you want to. Yeah. And then also, um, there should be a clause where it's like 13 inches or you pull a tooth, get it sent in, mm-hmm. get it signed off by a game warden. If it doesn't qualify as three and a half years old or older, then you get a citation. But mm-hmm. but it's up to you to take that risk. Right. Put it in the hunter's hands and not just the law's hands. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I'm with you on that. It's good. It's good thoughts. Anyway, this is this is probably boring to some people, but we'll move <laughs> on uh, a little bit. Another, like, b- to issues that I see, at least, that we have struggled with Are is... Are we done raging on the department? Well... Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is not necessarily a department thing. I mean, I guess technically it could be, but um, just this is just a habitat thing Mm -hmm. um, or where we cause of where we live. But like high stem counts make it tough on us to observe deer, Mm -hmm. and not being able to observe many deer on throughout a season just doesn't quite educate you to how they behave and what you should do. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you said this 
recently uh, talking to somebody, but, you know, hunting more open country last year, you learned more in like, you know, 10 days of hunting than you have in several years just because you were able to observe deer doing deer things. Mm -hmm. And I think like when you can't see 60 yards in some cases, you know, or 100 yards, it makes it real tough. And especially like if you can see 100, 150 yards in one or two directions kind of, you may have a, a buck come through November and you see him for all of 10 seconds mm-hmm. and that just doesn't show you a whole lot as to where he's going or what he's doing. You yeah. Know? So for sure. And it's kind of funny. Um, like if you go hunt deer in a more open country, um, they see deer all the time and like get interested and go see the other deer and stuff. And I guess our deer do it too, because like sometimes you'll see a buck with a group of does and the next day you don't see him with him or whatever. Um, but I've been in the stand a few times when like you've got some deer on the right and then suddenly a deer comes up from a different direction and then they look each other, look at each other and get kind of wigged out because mm-hmm. they surprise each other mm-hmm. you know and it's like those deer aren't used to seeing other deer it's a big <laughs> deal when they do yeah. see another deer. they try to figure it all out and think about it and i guess there's advantages to it i, I can't really think of them but um <laughs> you know like it's pretty apparent that it's pretty thick around here mm-hmm. you know and it goes back to the whole antler restriction thing and just deer population density it's like man if you don't get to see very many deer, you're really going to want to shoot whatever you can see. And then whenever you don't have that option, it kind of stinks. Yeah. I think it gives, I think it allows properties to hold more hunters. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think oh, that's an advantage. Because sure. you, you, we have a ton of hunters and that's one issue is mm-hmm. pressure, you know, but like, I think more hunters can be on a landscape that has more timber like that. So yeah. that's a, but that doesn't mean there's thing. more deer. Probably means <laughs> no. there's less deer per capita. <laughs> yeah. You know? They're all moving to private, you yeah. know, whatever. But, um, you know, I think one, a prime issue or a prime, uh, example of this issue is, uh, you can watch a video from, uh, it's from our PLC series from last year, 2018 public land chronicles playlist on YouTube. But like, uh, we had been, uh, stalking around uh, the week before and lost all our grunt calls and probably mm. rattling horns and everything. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> and uh, so the next time we hunted uh, on pub in Texas, we were uh, sitting in a stand <laughs> in like 40 <laughs> yards. We weren't able to get a shot. That's how thick it is. But at 40 yards, a deer comes down a trail, and we're like, that's a good buck. And so he's like nose down in almost like a trot, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're like, it's it's quite hysterical what we do afterwards, but he's, he's like coming through and we realize he's not going to come down our trail. And he's going to follow these does that had gone through uh, 10 or 15 minutes before. And we're like, I pick up my rattling horns and I start trying to give it to him at like 60 yards. And he just does, he has no care in the world, you know? And so there was, we didn't even like, I don't know if he even looked at us, but he was just so focused in on that smell. But that's kind of like a prime example of all of a sudden he shows up at 40 and at 70 he's out of our lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, uh, that was probably one of our better encounters of last season. And we yeah. saw that deer for eight seconds, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, About as long as you could ride a bull. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, in, in thinking about that, um, 
that piece of property in particular, like pressure was super high mm-hmm. on on that property and several of the places we've been. I mean, we hunted with another place. Like I said, we ran into some guys last year and one guy we ran into was at like 11 a.m. He was coming in to check a camera and he was like, yeah, well, Jim Bob over here hunts right here. And it, we like look and like 100 yards is what he's talking about. He's not talking about like, oh, a quarter mile. Down. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, and uh, Sammy over here, you know, he hunts and that's like one at 60 yards. There was literally like five guys hunting Mm-hmm. This one like little kind of funnel area, and none of them were seeing any deer. And the year before, we had noticed that there was deer in there, so that's why we were hunting mm-hmm. there. And it just turned off, I guess, because there were so many people hunting it. So pressure was like has, was another big factor in our season last year. Uh, but that doesn't like I don't want to say that without saying that. Especially me, I feel like made some pretty dumb decisions to hunt pressured areas. Because of a deer, you know what yeah. I mean? But, I mean, outside of the pressure on that place that you're trying to hunt that deer, you made good choices. You know what I mean? Right. Like, the, the fact that you hunted a place that was heavily pressured was the bad choice. But, yeah. like, your hunting decisions while you were in there were good. You know, you made adjustments and made you know made moves. And the Had same day I killed the spike, you almost killed deer, too, that yeah, day. Yeah, I should have know? killed. Yeah. Uh, that's a long story. But you, you can watch it. I Heard deer coming and I thought it was squirrels. So that's cool. <laughs> Usually it's the opposite, you know. But yeah, another, you know, and I think a part of this, the pressure that we've seen, the increased pressure is, um, you know, a lot of these, a lot, I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't it, but on a lot of uh, properties, at least in East Texas, um, they're, the NWTF, the National Wild Turkey Federation, is doing a bunch of habitat uh, projects, which is great. Mm-hmm. I love, like, I want more turkeys around, right? Mm-hmm. But um, they're doing them on some of these on some of these public properties in the in the north and east Texas area because it's like it's you know it's where they have no turkeys. It's like their main focus across the nation is like this area that should have turkeys and doesn't, and that's mm-hmm. east Texas, north and east Texas. So um, these like uh, they're coming in and like doing these big habitat manipulation projects, and I'll be honest with you. They're they're like some of the ones that we've walked across and seen are like void of deer. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just there's no deer sign there. And like we've talked to people that we've met and then as well, and just they're like, yeah, the deer don't really use that that stuff because it's just they're clearing it out to keep predators from turkey, you know, from eating turkeys from behind every tree, right? Mm-hmm. And, and creating grasslands. And sometimes what comes in after they clear stuff is not, like, beautiful switchgrass. Yeah, you know, you know I mean? Forbes are good for deer until they're not. Yeah. And as far as I know, I ain't never seen a deer eat go weed. You no. know, what we call go weeds. I'm it pretty might sure be different. they don't. Yeah, and it, it don't happen. Uh, yeah. It's good for doves yeah. Right? Yeah. and all that, but... And when, really only good for doves if it's shredded. Cause that's like, true. if they have to land in the middle of a bunch of goat weeds, they're going to eat, get eaten by a bobcat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and it's... Uh, yeah, they don't put off seeds very great whenever right. they're not shredded. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. But, yeah, I don't know. And, but something else we've noticed about those improvements, uh, habitat improvements, is that there is hog sign there. Yeah. And you're like, okay, not only are we doing something that seems to be detrimental to the deer, uh, but we are also creating habitat that still works for an invasive. Mm-hmm. So what could we be doing about that instead? Right. Um and I'm not discrediting anyone at any organization or any biologist who's done research on things, but 
uh, it's just what I observe as a hunter. Yeah. Right. And well, that's got to mean something. Yeah. And I think and to, to me, you have to think about this. Like there's guys out there that are hardcore turkey hunters and that's yeah. what they want to do. That's all they care about. And so this is great for them. Right. Mm-hmm. But I just look at it from an economic, if you want to, if you want to talk about public lands that are owned by taxpayers or whatever, mm-hmm. then you have to look at the greater economic impact a lot of times right yeah, that, that's sure. what makes sense and that's what they do most of the time so i look at it like they're not really taking like the nwtf ha- is able to raise funds to do this project work and so i feel like the department's just going okay let's they, they want to do it they're going to pay for it then mm-hmm. that's great we'll let them do it you know and it sounds like a good plan it's a feel-good story too. it is it is yeah for sure it's like hey, a good conservation story yeah but like when we're taking out hundreds of acres at a time of um, white, like good, pretty good whitetail habitat, and turning it into kind of a desolate country for a couple of years at least, mm-hmm. um, then that's causing people to have to hunt closer to each other on public lands because there's less habitat that deer are going to use, and therefore their experiences declining, and then therefore they start getting out of this public land game, and next thing you know, like. How are we how are we earning funds, especially if like creating this habitat um, and there's still not like huntable or open seasons, huntable populations of turkeys or open seasons. Well, there could have been lots of whitetails killed, which is a lot more meat than a turkey Mm -hmm. and just more justifiable for guys who are hunting public. There's a lot of guys that are hunting public that are that are interested in meat right yeah they're i mean they're not necessarily interested in the the trophy side of things i mean how many people have we met on public lands that are like yeah i shot a doe mm-hmm. well you ain't shooting a doe for tro- they're shooting it because they like backstraps you yeah. know what i mean and that's that's great but mm-hmm. when you're when you're trying to like substitute that for a couple of turkey breasts and some legs it just don't add up the same and, yeah. and not to mention it's just not the same like people People love their deer season in Texas. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. So I just kind of worry about the economic impacts of of uh, trying to make all these properties in North and East Texas a turkey factory. Yeah. So and I don't know. Like maybe they haven't thought about it, and that's okay. I mean, if I had to work as much as they do and get, be only paid as much as they do, uh, I yeah. probably wouldn't think about get, it in my off time either. You they know, get raged by every podcast out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, and, oh, and, these guys are complaining again. Yeah. And emails, you know, from every. <laughs> Joe that thinks they know biology or whatever, yeah. but I, I, and so that's just that's just me thinking, giving my two cents about the whole thing. And like I said, they may not have even thought about it, or they may have, and they may know it better than I do. So, but these are just the, kind of the issues we've seen. And you know, uh, back back to kind of that uh, squeezing people down and, and having a lot of pressure. And I don't know if that's that may be not a good way to say it, but just we saw where we hunted last year increased pressure as opposed to the year before yeah and that may just be the ebb and flow of public lands and you seem to think that kind of right Mm -hmm. but uh, i think that it's more um like pull-in based than it is like general wma based you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. or like this place for some reason this year like this little spot that you park at gets more people at it yeah that year and then the next year it might be less like the particular a particular wma doesn't like ebb and flow as much as like the spots on a WMA. but it could be it's just you know it's hard to really guess that but it's just kind of that's what it seems to me Mm -hmm. at least um and it's probably of our own doing. I mean, we are doing a podcast that talks a lot about Texas public land hunting <laughs> and encourages people to go hunting. So yeah. it makes sense. And then that's kind of uh, the trend that, like, 
a lot of hunting media is going anyways. People are mm-hmm. getting away from like managing, you know, their 600 acres for 200 inch deer and they're going a lot more for experience, which is good. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. But, um, Private land management is a cool experience too. It so is. if y'all if you like that, don't think that you have to go do the public thing because it's cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. If I had six hundred acres of land, I may or may not be hunting public land. <laughs> oh, I, I don't guarantee know. you, I ain't hunting public. Land. <laughs> At least not not here, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, but uh, anyways, uh, who knows if it's if what what it's cause what's causing it? But I would like to think that maybe next year we won't see that as much on some places and then other places there will be more you know it's just yeah i'll just i mean who knows maybe last year we had a rough october and people didn't kill deer in october so there's a lot more people in the woods in november just because you only get one buck tag you know so they hadn't filled it yet well even uh on a more like a more lengthy time scale i guess you could say like who knows if the year before everybody had a rough season and was like, man, we got to try somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then they end up in a spot that we were at, you know, yeah. or whatever. And and they shoot a pig and like, man, I'm going back here every time. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. You know, hopefully they, they didn't. Uh, the, the places we were at got enough pressure last year that the deer wised up. And <laughs> they go back to uh, where they came from. And then we end up uh, being able to hunt that place again without people. But if it has the people... If some of these places have the people that we encountered this past year, I'm I'm not going to probably pull quite the same hunting scheme as as this year. And one place in particular um, that that I think about is like that kept me coming back and I guess making the bad decision of hunting amongst a bunch of people in in high pressure was a buck named Teenager. Mm. And I could write a book titled that. I, yeah, a buck named Teenager. <laughs> Uh, that dude has been haunting me for years now. Um, and we've been able to follow him for three sets of antlers basically mm-hmm. now. And I don't know, he may have gotten shot this year, but there was a lot of pressure, uh, where we were hunting him at this year, um, was one of the places we experienced a lot of pressure. And so, but I stayed with it, uh, for a while, for the most part, hunted there quite a bit. And I felt like my hunting experience really declined late in the year and I, I don't know like the last two years my late late season experience there has been pretty tough and I don't know if it's like just an overall the the the, pro, the properties are worn out from people for a whole season if I'm wearing them out personally or if it's just like once it kind of hits that late season things change enough that I'm not adjusting correctly mm-hmm. You know, and we're talking late season as in, like, December 15th and on kind of thing, you know, like, yeah. uh, for the last month there. So, um, like, I, I feel like my my goals in with Teenager next year are basically we haven't put any trail cameras out yet. By Last year, by this time, we might have. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, <clears throat> but we'll probably, uh, when I get back from my trip, in case he gets back from his trip, we'll probably entertain um, – getting some cameras out because i think you're going to start being able to tell what's a what's a legal buck at that moment or mm-hmm. at that time kind i of. saw a buck the other night in the headlights and that was on probably may 26th who had brow tines and you could see his first branch saw him there. hitting the ditch on the way to the lodge yeah. the other night same thing i was surprised yeah. I, I thought it was i see i was thinking it was like mid-june before you could see that yeah in the past but i maybe i was just off or that buck might have done something sooner but I mean, they're going to have identifiable antlers yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, but for sure. I think that, um, well, 
Go go along with your teenager stuff. Okay. Sorry, I don't. No, I, that's I don't right. get yeah. too far off track. Well, guys. it's just it's simple. Basically, it boils down to put trail cameras in the woods in about July, mid July, or mm-hmm. maybe late July, um, and then go check them. Uh, I mean, we'll probably knowing us check them once before then, but mm-hmm. like go check cameras right around the first of the season. And if we're picking up teenager, I'll probably be in there quite a bit. If we're not, I may kind of just. If we haven't picked them up at all, I'll probably, um, I may still hunt in there, but I may hunt somewhere else. I'm not like opposed to it at all. And then basically check once or twice in the month of October and November. And, uh, if I, if we don't pick them up or pick up any other reason to, to hunt in there, um, then I probably won't spend a ton of time in there, especially if there's pressure. But like, if we can pick them up on cameras, then my, my goal is to, um, you know, find oaks that he's going to be at and hunt oaks in October. Yeah. Before too many, you know, and rightfully so. November is bad to the bone in all states. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so people are going to be also hunting November. I wish so if that I can do it more before, spread then, out. That gummit. I know. <laughs> I know. So, but yeah. And honestly, like where I'd like to hunt him and or I think there's going to be some good oaks putting off this year. Um, hunts well on a north wind. And mm-hmm. I think I can hunt well on a north wind there. And, um, so a good cold front in October is kind of when I want to be there. So yep. if I pick them up, that's the plan, man. And and if I don't, then I'm just going to, I'm going to go with the flow. We're going to have several cameras out mm-hmm. and we're going to just check. And when we find a good buck using an area, that's where I want to be, man. Or, or I want to, uh, you know, find the oaks that he's going to be in October. My goal is not necessarily to, to hunt or kill a deer or to kill a deer in October because I love hunting late season. And when I say late season, December on, you know, yeah. like I just love that time of year because not a whole lot else is going on and it's still like 50 or 60 here, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun and it's cold and everything. Ticks are gone, mosquitoes, whatever. <laughs> Maybe mosquitoes are gone. Maybe. Yeah. Depending on the day. Yeah. But that's, that's just one of those things about hunting early that is going to stink is the heat and the bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't but, love it, but man, there's less pressure. There is that time of year, yep. and I think that I think that um, we shouldn't. I at least for me, I don't want to put as much emphasis on trail cameras this year. I'm like like in the past, we've done so many sweated out nasty days, hanging trail cameras everywhere to get half of them stolen kind of days, you know. And I just and I think we did better last year at it still, but I still think that we might have spent a little bit too much time trying to preseason it out there, yeah. you know when. Honestly, put cameras out, let, let them, them soak, soak, and just go pull them, you know, and stop jacking around too much in there. Mm-hmm. It's a good opportunity for other people to see you in there to increase pressure on a place, and it's a good opportunity for you to booger deer. So mm-hmm. just just wait, and then... All right, so with that in mind, are you, <clears throat> are you like, how do you plan to hunt? So are you just going to go Babylon until you feel like it's not happening there anymore? Or are you going to, like... Like, how do you plan to hunt? Where do you plan to hunt without much reconnaissance? You I know don't what I mean? feel like Babylon is a great early season spot. I feel deer go through there some, yeah, but it seems to really pick up late October to December first. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I don't really know for sure right now uh, on the early season stuff. But I think that um, it's it's kind of more of let those truck cameras do some soaking. And and put them in 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 good spots. And if you pick up a buck that is kind of a resident there, then you have an opportunity to go in there and try to find him early season and shoot him. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like 
honestly, man, like trying to go out on October 3rd and just go in somewhere hoping a deer walks by, it kind of stinks. Oh, yeah. Because there's a good chance you ain't going to see nothing. We did it last year. Yeah, we did. It got mosquitoed Dude. up. Outrageous. <laughs> I took a picture of your hat, and there had to have been 15 on it. And, like, you had just swatted it, you know what I mean? Like, it was outrageous. It was I pretty much hid inside my clothes all evening. You did. It was bad. But, and we sweated a lot. Yeah, it and just... it's all no deer. Mm-hmm. And, it, yeah, I mean, I'm with you, dude. Like, even, and that was a place with a ton of oak trees. There was mm-hmm. tons of squirrels in there. So, you know they were in there eating acorns, and mm-hmm. you know that the deer should have been should have been in there, but they weren't for whatever reason, and probably because there's oaks everywhere. But yeah. Like, I, I, I'm with you, man. Um, like, if you don't have a real good inkling about someplace and know that there's nobody going in there, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to just go in and hunt in October without, like, knowing the bucks in there. You yeah, know? So, yeah, for sure. Um, I think we definitely made, made that mistake last year. And another um, mistake that I felt like we made and that, like, I will find a way <laughs> this year to be in the woods on November 14th through the 17th in Texas. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the time. That was like, that was the days. And I remember your dad saying last year, cause he, he, they live around a pretty, uh, nice resident population of deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he said, he was saying those days mm-hmm. it was like, so when know, it was going down the third week of November yep. was when it, when it happens. He says about, he said about November, I don't remember. It's like about November 17th, they're going to be going everywhere down here, yep. you know? And we, we we pulled a couple of trail cameras last year that were just we were like why were we not here during one of those three mm-hmm. or four days like well it's because we're running around being crazy we were you man, know? we were doing dumb things I don't know, and that's kind of like the catch twenty two of like doing a bunch of scouting and figuring out finding the new places you end up neglecting places that you shouldn't because you're trying to like scheme it in your head and you come up with this big fanciful idea what's going to work well and you don't go see deer and then they're where you knew they were yeah, originally yeah. you know but, they are where we knew they were <laughs> man what a novel <laughs> statement right <laughs> i don't know uh, i tell you what though man i i shot a deer in public last year that was a win for me right mm-hmm. it was a baby but he was tasty and we both have eaten him i want to shoot two deer on texas public next year Tall that's feet. something i want to do and that that's that can be two does yeah uh I, it can be two does, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it physically could be two does as well. But I would be fine with that. Uh, I'd love to shoot a buck, a good buck, a big buck, a giant buck. But, <laughs> you know, I think that um, something, a mistake I made last year was, like, you can go too far down the road of enjoying the hunt, if that makes sense. And sometimes part of uh, making it a hunt is actually shooting something. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of did a lot of, like, woods watching last year. And... Uh, didn't take shots sometimes maybe i should have and you know the whole like oh i'm not gonna shoot this doe even though i need meat because i don't want to booger this place because a buck might come through here not doing that this year i don't think so i don't really? know it depends on what babylon i don't know maybe <laughs> i kind of i don't know i just man, awesome. shooting stuff is fun yeah it is and i didn't get to do very much of it last year and i don't know it just uh I feel like that would increase my enjoyment is being able to do that and not have the expectations of, um, you know, well, I'm going to deprive myself of this, so maybe I can have something else, mm-hmm. you know? See, that's what, to me, that's like, that would be, I don't know, it's it's so hard when you think about messing a place up, mm-hmm. shooting a doe when you're hunting a buck in there, right? But, like, that would be, what would be awesome is if we could find a place next year where we're like, 
man, there's not a shooter buck in here, but there's a bunch of does. Mm-hmm. Let's just go over there on some random afternoon and hunt them moving to food or whatever and and smoke some does, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Let's, that, that would be fun, and so you don't have to worry about it so much. So, like, finding those spots I think would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe even setting ourselves up to have, like, two cameras that we think might be that, that particular situation, you know? Yeah. You never know. Does. You might find the, the bug well, mecca, you That's know? the thing, too, is, uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of does pattern in here. Let's go in here in cold front. And like, oh, look who showed up. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to shoot him instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think that just... There's your mystique right there, right? Ooh, that's it. That's <laughs> right. Find the does, find the bucks. Man, it's like, is that a new concept? You would think otherwise with all the buck bedding talk we've I know, heard the right? last several years. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think for me, if I don't get it done in in October on some oak trees, or if I don't get it done November 14th to the 17th, and these are possibilities for, for me because I'm going to have tags out of state and stuff like that. So balancing all this together um, and being able to hunt the right dates in the right states and everything is going to be a... a a uh, for sure clown show probably next year <laughs> but uh if i don't and i'm looking at like that late season period in texas december 15th and on i think you know one thing that i'm going to do is focus heavily on l- finding areas with lack of pressure because mm-hmm. i can remember last the last day of last season was Speaking of clown shows, straight up, like we, how many miles did we walk with stands on our back trying, and we were just like, every 150 yards we'd run into a stand or a boot track or something, and we're like, oh, well, I guess this, let's go, okay, let's go over here, you see this little draw over here, maybe we'll, we can set up over here, and literally we just walked around until it was like too late to hang a stand in the afternoon, and we were like, you know what? If we hang a stand right now, we're hunting for an hour, and I mean, it was it was the first time that I've ever seen you like give up on a spot, and, on a, on just hunting basically. You mm-hmm. know, like we got we tried to hunt even from the ground with like an hour left, and we were like, you know what, we can't even get a shot if a deer comes in at twenty. This is like hysterically stupid, <laughs> and so we just gave up and went home. You know, because we thought, well, we can get home and cook dinner or yeah. whatever yeah and so i think my my goal there at the end of the year is to try to or not my goal but what i'm going to be focused on if i get to that point is finding some spot and that may be just go in two miles get set yourself up with enough time in the afternoon or whatever in the morning go in two miles wherever or, you know a long ways in a mile plus and and uh, find deer that haven't been hunted hardly at all, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's the way we're going to have to do it late in the season where earlier we can hunt places a half mile, three quarters of a mile, under a mile, whatever, mm-hmm. without having to mess with, you know, too many, too many messed up deer. So Yeah, I think that's something else I'd like to do, man, is um, just for that adventure and hunt enjoyment aspect, just mm-hmm. uh, go and find someplace wild and hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something we talk about doing a lot in all aspects of our hunting life. But uh, I get kind of, even though I love seeing deer and, like, we've got these spots that are really good, I get kind of worn out um, just going and sitting in the stand and knowing that, okay, it's going to be three hours before I see something, right? Mm-hmm. And when you can get up, cover some ground, go see a new country, feel like you're way back in somewhere, like, you feel like you always got a shot, Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like fishing a lake that's known for big bass. Like, you know, you feel like you always got a shot, yep. right? That's right, And man. it's good to feel like you're in the game. And um, I don't know, that's just kind of back to that, like, why I originally started hunting public land. Well, not the only reason, but uh, one of the reasons was because 
it was fun to get out there and kind of do kind of crazy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and get back in to places that people don't see very often. Yeah. Not because you're like, this is where the deer are going to be, but because it's neat back there. You yeah. feel like you're pretty far away from people. Stuff. Yeah. Like you can get to a point where you may not be able to hear a highway. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure, man. Yeah. So there's some gear that it's going to, that we're looking at that we might, might need this mm-hmm. year to kind of achieve some of these things. Um, for me, you know, like you, you carry that Sika Flash 20 bag, mm-hmm. man, that thing, like it's built as like a day pack for mountain hunting, right? But mm-hmm. the thing is like been pretty clutch for deer hunting. It's nice. Thinking about it, man. It's, uh, it's, it's really roomy. Mm-hmm. And um, carry a quarter elk quarter in there, right? Carry an elk quarter, maybe a whole Texas deer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just field dressed, yeah, yeah, put the right. whole thing in there. Uh, I don't know, but uh, it's nice. It's got like buckles and straps on the outside you can put stand on, but you end up with the weight in a weird spot um, when you do that, but it functions. So mm-hmm. it's nice for that. Uh, I do think that we're going to be getting some packs um, for Western hunting this mm-hmm. year. And I'm kind of wondering how that's going to function for what we're talking about. Because if we get packs that have, like, meat shelves, load shelves in them, then you can use it for a deer stand, too. And then you got the stand close to your back in a good spot for the weight. And then you've got your, you know, the rest of your clothes and stuff in your pack that straps to the frame and kind of snugs your deer stand in between it. Mm. Kind of a neat deal. Yeah, good, um, good concept there. Uh, we also have thought about going standless in general too mm-hmm. on some of this these trips um i mean we do a decent amount of stuff from the ground uh if we go like to midwest or whatever and there's some stuff that we can probably take and use um around here in texas from that but we've also talked about trying to do i know it's kind of like they're all the rage um and it's not great for every situation but a saddle could be nice on some of these like two mile in excursions where you go from carrying a 12 pound stand to a wearing a two pound harness that you probably are already wearing anyways if you're a tree stand hunter mm-hmm. okay, it just kind of makes sense so we mm-hmm. might explore some of those options too yeah for sure yeah i definitely would like to explore lightening up my setup a little bit yeah um but at the same time like you said with a with a good frame pack like carrying standing sticks on that frame pack mm-hmm. is like that's going to change the game you know and yeah. that's Whereas, like, used to, like, be, like, a pretty uncomfortable bag and then throw the stand and the straps on top of that with these little tiny straps that just wear your arms out, mm-hmm. you know, so good thing. Looking but, like a Ninja Turtle out there <laughs> yeah. running around in the, in the woods. Straight up, straight up. Golly. So, uh, yeah, the stands and the sticks are definitely some things that we're looking at possibly upgrading. Um, we also bought another GoPro to help us out. We did, and it's just going to make it easier for us to kind of split up and hunt. Jared like, Mills hooked us up. Yeah, I bro Jared Mills. He's been on the podcast a couple times. Always yep. good info. Yes. Um, but uh, monster killer, monster butt killer, real. dude. That's the that was the biggest improvement on the whole season. <laughs> we got the big buck killing GoPro. Yeah, it's gonna that's have the, good. It's, it's got a good, good mojo. Charm. Yeah, dude. There might even be some footage of a big buck being oh, killed perfect. on it. <laughs> Please, Jared, add the, put that SD card in there. Yeah. But no, that'll just make it better and easier for us to uh, do a better job documenting stuff. It's not mm-hmm. going to actually. Well, it might in some way make us better hunters, but uh, it means that a guy doesn't have to carry uh, two camera arms if he wants a second angle yeah, and solo hunting. Which five would be pound camera, silly. And, yeah, yeah. yeah but, it's, uh, it's definitely nice, and the GoPros are getting pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. They're so, like for real cameras nowadays. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. awesome. Pretty awesome. So uh, we definitely used used the GoPro that we had last year 
a lot, and it's nice to have an extra. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all this kind of talked about, and you kind of mentioned your goal this uh, you know earlier, but shooting two deer on public, mm-hmm. what about like what about bucks? Like what are you what are you looking at? What's going to keep you from pulling the trigger? Or what's going to make you pull the trigger? I think that uh, I need to honestly be a touch less selfish about killing a big buck in Texas. I think that if I have an opportunity at a decent buck that would make me happy to shoot, I need to go ahead and shoot it, and then we will just work on getting you a big buck. Dude, because I'm going to have some good tags this year. You ain't well, got to worry too. about me. I am too, though. But you know, but that's what I – like why, why hold off, man? I just want to shoot stuff. You know, yeah, um, and that might sound crude if you just took that little excerpt from the podcast, but <laughs> like honestly, uh, I was stoked to kill a spike last year. Why would I not be stoked to kill a you know a three year old this right. year? That's you know a, a good looking buck. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So you're saying if he's legal, you pr- you're gonna shoot him? No, not, a, not it- a little pencily little baby that just happens to be 13, but, you know, like a deer, it's like, oh, that's a good-looking buck. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll probably shoot him and be excited about it. Cool. Um, that's not to say that I'm not going to try to target some of the bigger bucks that I we've mean, got on camera. what if you got, like, yeah, what if you got a couple of big ones in an area, and it's October 25th, and a three-year-old, you know, one of those good-looking bucks that you're talking about comes in. I mean, well, that's going to be a tough call, It's going to be tough, it? but I'm, i got out-of-state tags to fill, too, you sure. know, and it's like if I can – fill a tag or two here that leaves me just a little bit less pressure around here mm-hmm. like personal pressure to get that done so i can kind of concentrate on some of the out-of-state stuff yeah you know sense. it's not like your your season isn't ending like, like when i was younger if i shot a deer my season was over because mm-hmm. i didn't have the resources or the the knowledge to go elsewhere to go hunt and now i do and it's mm-hmm. like why not shoot something yeah you know with the tags that i'm going to have the decisions are going to be so time, like week mm-hmm. to week based, I think. And depending on who, on where I've shot one or what I've got located or whatever. But I do feel like it's going to be hard for me to shoot in Texas anything that's not pretty good mm-hmm. before that November 14th to 17th window. Yeah. Just because of what we saw last year. On some can, cameras. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Um, but if I if it's like November 12th, and one comes through that's uh, kind of good buck, you know, but not like as big as some of the other ones we have. And I still haven't filled any tags in any other states. I might, it might be a different story, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, you can hunt pretty late in Texas, and so yeah, it's, I, I kind of would almost like, I don't know. I kind, I don't, I don't know. Who knows what's gonna happen? But I almost would rather like have that chance at the November 14th to 17th window in Texas mm-hmm. and eat a tag at the end of the year than shoot uh, kind of a pencil horn before the 14th to the 17th. That's I don't true. know. So I don't I, that's just kind of – we'll have to see week it's to week. It's also you know? June and we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah, you know I know. What I, mean? so. <laughs> I know we should be talking about trout fishing because that's what I'm going to be doing here for like a month. Well, I was just saying like come September – you know, the hype of the season coming up might change and be like, dude, I'm holding out for 150. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it's, but yeah, I think it's sure. good to talk about it now. That yeah. way you can go back and, and look at your more realistic self that was a <laughs> yeah. few months behind. Yeah, exactly. Back, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm probably right. Back when I was in a, you know, a sane state of mind, I should probably do what I was <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, back before pre rut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so as far as like preparations go to achieve these goals, anything in particular jump out at you? Mm. 
Uh, well, I have to buy more arrows because <laughs> yeah. uh, I used a lot of them last year. That doesn't mean I killed that much, but I, I killed a few things. You're going to um, use one in September, yeah. so you better make sure you yeah, have a few. You know. That's right. But uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, my, not minus what we already talked about, a little bit of gear stuff we're going to add. Not really. Just yeah. uh, I think um, working on myself mentally more mm-hmm. probably be the bigger thing, like uh, being more open-minded, being more willing to um, – differentiate from the plan and any map not, scouting or not, anything uh yeah there'll be a little bit of that yeah. um a little bit of uh looking at some new properties too because i feel like also if you go to a new property uh you lose some of that like man i need to go kill one of those big bucks in there you know like you it's like it's pretty cool to go to a new place on on like the third day of hunting that area you you kill a three-year-old and it's like all right i feel pretty good about it yeah. but it's kind of like whenever you it's a place you've hunted for a long time you're like man it's i've been hunting this place since before this deer was born and now i'm gonna shoot him you know what i mean mm-hmm. or whatever um it's i don't know anyways you kind of know what i'm saying yeah like, for uh, sure. but i think i need to just prepare myself mentally to kind of really take in the season and, and know like i want to do in the deer season what it takes for me to look back on February 1st and say, you know what, that was pretty good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, man, look at these deckum tags I got right here, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I mean, that's kind of, that's where I'm at pretty much. I need that mental preparation. I need I need the mental preparation just to, like, not get down about things. And yeah. I think I've been working on that, just being around you and learning, like, how to, how to do that. Um, I think I, I've gotten better over the last few years, and hopefully I'll continue to keep getting better yeah. but um something that we both are are pretty bad about is like once it starts getting to that december 15th range or whatever just doing the same thing over and over again hoping it works because we get all like creative earlier in the yeah. season and then like we get burned by our creativity a couple times well, like okay i'm just gonna go sit yeah and you and you start like you start you ha- start out with like eight spots and then all of a sudden like four of them jimmy john and, and yeah, billy don everybody else thought that spot was good too and you got so now you got four spots oh well we have this wind and technically only one or two spots works with this wind yeah. and now it's like i got hardly anywhere to go <laughs> so i mean that's where that's when maybe we just go okay we're going way back we're gonna do something new mm-hmm. so uh and you know as far as like preparation for me that mental side of things for sure but then i got a new bow new to me Woo! but 2011 yeah matthews nice so i can't even remember what it's called but uh, i had a shot a few times and it's good but zxt i needed need no i think it's a uh, helium, helium. Yeah, yeah yeah um anyway i need to get it dialed in just make sure i'm good to go and shoot a bunch and and kind of get the motion down with a new bow and everything and other than that uh i think i think i'm just ready already but uh we're uh we got a lot of a lot of fishing and stuff ahead and speaking of that you know we we uh, just put out the state record video from the state record fish you caught, so that's on YouTube. Uh, you guys have been kind to comment on that, so we appreciate that. Yep. Um, Go check that out. And also, um, if you are in Texas or anywhere else and you enjoy this podcast, be sure and leave us a review on iTunes because we really appreciate that. It helps us out a ton. And if there are some things that we didn't cover or we didn't think about or some problems that you encounter that we may or may not know about or may or may not realize that we have um leave that in the comments too that way uh we kind of can be enlightened on that thing because it's pretty easy as a hunter to get kind of uh tunnel vision Mm -hmm. and kind of just think about what you've got going on yeah and maybe uh maybe some of the things that we think are problems you think are solutions or vice versa Mm -hmm. so uh 
Let us know what you think. Yeah, for sure. And you can always reach out through our website, theelementwild.com, um, and send us emails there. We've got an email form. So feel free to do that, man. Um, yeah, like you said, the iTunes reviews are great. And, and if you are if you like the, the, you know, if you're from Texas or you're interested in this Texas thing, and a lot of you probably aren't because I know where a lot of you are from. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know we have lots of Texas listeners too, and if that's something that uh, is exciting for you, there's definitely you can scroll back through these podcasts on our channel here and find several that that discuss that kind of thing. And throughout the season, you know, we talk about our hardships. So if you're looking through November, October, December, that kind of thing, uh, you can find them. But uh, in particular, you know, E95 uh, episode 95 discussed some of the hardships that we encountered last season with. Uh, uh, just having people run into us on public that should have known we were there and just different situations. Uh, I know E88, episode 88 was like one of my favorites. We talked about the art of the draw, which um, is definitely a big thing across the board in Whitetail. But uh, in Texas, you know, like you need the deer to be as not jumpy as possible because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're agile and quick and little. And uh, the art of the draw can help you through that. But uh, I think we might have even talked about some some texas stuff there so anyway those are a couple episodes feel free to go back and check out uh, if you haven't listened to them uh we had a good time and i know i think we were cooking in the rain that evening on the never draw. bad thing yeah <laughs> cooking some cooking some stuff probably elk or something but anyway uh yeah i hope you guys have a great weekend thanks for listening to this thing and for checking out all that we're doing it means a lot to us the podcast has been doing really great um and that's just because you guys are uh real supportive spreading the good news and um probably as fired up about whitetail in june as we are Mm. (laughs) so anyway i hope you guys get out and get in the outdoors and remember this is your element living it you ever get that feeling the walls closing in the concrete jungle suffocating you you crave some wide open spaces the chance to connect with nature maybe in a spot all your own will head over to land.com they've got ranches forests mountains streams you name it search by acreage you can search by location you can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of land.com it is where the adventure begins hey we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries now if you're like me Enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.